kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven we thank you spirit of god that you are working that you are moving that you are accomplishing this as we yield ourselves to you and your purposes we thank you holy spirit we thank you that you are here fill us today thank you amen, amen. he's so awesome isn't he it's presence just amazing and um so next sunday is our last sunday here in this building and it's our last morning service um we're moving to evenings and so uh five o'clock and um for those that haven't had evening services before uh, we had a season where we were evenings as a church and then we move to mornings, then we're moving back to evenings because we can. Because the Sabbath is not about a traditional time on a traditional, it's a day of rest. And so what I do for me, and it kind of helps me to sort it, is um, it's reversing your Sunday. If you've had the typical Sunday morning where you go to church, then you usually go out for lunch and you hang out with people for the afternoon. And you do that kind of a day. Well, now you do it. You're... You, you have your morning, it's a little more relaxed. You can get together pe with people for lunch still. Um, you can still have your afternoon, and then you end your day with the church. So it can still be a very restful day, a, re a really good day. And, um, but uh, one thing about the evening service that I really like in this new building is that um, we don't have to end early. If we want to continue in worship and ministry time, there's no restriction as to how late we can go. So if you're hungry for God to move and God's moving in a powerful way, I'm not leaving at 7.30. I'm sorry. I'm staying. And if God continues to move, I'm staying longer. Amen? I got one amen. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> Daniel will be with me. No, I got more than that. But with these masks on, it's mm Om Om. <laughs> Right, but uh, but no, it, and so that's a really big part of um, one of the moves is because we had to be out of here at one, and that was restricting sometimes, and we wanted to be able to to continue on either in worship or ministry time, and that way we won't have to do that in the new location time. So so anyway, um, we're gonna get. Uh, right into the word and today i've got a, a a word that i've been meditating on and um, i've been talking and trying to ignite faith in our hearts and how do we walk in that faith how do we um live in that reality of faith because i find a lot of people live hopeful and a lot of people live kind of just they live hopeful and um they don't live with faith, active faith, where they're grabbing a hold of something. They're just, oh, I hope something good happens. Oh, I hope. And it's like, no, we have more than that as believers. And scripture is full of people who grabbed a hold of God by faith and, gra and grabbed a hold of tangible things that God wanted to do, and they brought it into reality from nothingness. And so... That's what we're called to do. That's what we as the people of God in this crazy time that we're living in. And there's a lot of crazy going on. 
How many know? You just, there's all kinds of craziness. And I'm not even going to, I'm not going to list the craziness because we don't have to. We know. So there's enough crazy to go around for everyone. So what we need to do is say, okay, God, in the midst of this, like we looked at last Sunday, um, heaven's not in a panic. God has no problems. He only has plans. He only has plans. So in the midst of the crazy, God, what is your plan? What are you doing? What are you saying? What do you want me to do? That's how we live. We don't live subject to the, all the craziness. There, sure, there are things we have to do, obviously, with, with the restrictions that we have to obey. But there's a lot we can do outside of that, that God can work and God can move. Amen? Zoom being one of them. Zoom is a tool, thank God, that we have. We can connect. We can pray. We can do all those things. And it's important that we do use those tools and we allow God to work through them in, in the midst of this. And um, one thing that I've wrestled with in this, um, this whole season um, is you kind of sit back and you have to shake yourself out of it, but you kind of more spectate, right? Especially if you're listening to it online, you can kind of just sit there and Oh, that sounds nice, but you're not really entering in like when you're in a live service. How many are feeling that same thing? You kind of just kind of just kind of be lulled along. And, and what happens with that, though, is be, you become a spectator instead of a participator. And there are no spectators in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, God says, we are in this kingdom and we use and we fight the good fight of faith. And you can't fight spectating. Right? You've got to be engaged. You've got to be using your faith. You've got to be active, activating yourself. So even in worship, I know it's hard with masks on, and it's, it's weird and it's strange, but engage your heart and, and, and let God hear your voice because you have a voice he wants to hear. Each of my children, they have a voice. When they call me, I know their voice, and I, and I, I love to hear each of their voices. I, you know, if they just didn't talk to me, if I, I talked to them and that's all I did and they just sat there and just, you know, none of them are mimes. They are, all have a voice. So worship is that we're responding with our voice. God hears you and he wants to hear your heart. So in, engage in that, connect in that. I'm not saying be, be religious and that you just sing a song because I've told you to sing a song. Hear the words and engage in it and allow your heart to gr take a hold with, with yourself and then connect to God and then let him hear your voice. Let him just fight to engage because we, we don't want to get into this. We're just going through the motions and, oh, you know, I got to listen to online church because that's what I got to do. no. That's the only thing we had at one point, so I was going to make it count as, as best I could. Is it the same? It absolutely isn't, but it's better than nothing. Amen? So what I want us to look at today is something that um, it really hit me in, in, the, in the hall of faith with all the different ones in, in uh, Hebrews 11. Um, we, we see, you know, Abraham, we see Moses, we see all of these different ones, and they're listed how they did these incredible things by faith. And then we get to Joshua and the walls of Jericho, and they don't list his name. And let's read it in, in Hebrews 11.30. <clears throat> it says, 
It was by faith. And it says the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. So it was by faith that this happened. Now, how many know this is an incredible account? How many have, have read this? Please put up your hand if you are familiar with the account of this. Okay, so, so most everyone here, I don't know about online. I'm going to try to, in a nutshell, capture it. But, um, but it, it, it's funny because in the whole list, if you go through the whole chapter 11, each person is named for their act of faith. But in this account, it's the people of Israel, and Joshua's name is not mentioned. Now, why is that? We're going to rewind a little bit, and we're going to look at this, and I believe this is probably a key reason why. It's because Joshua had an encounter where it wasn't about him, and that he, he truly recognized the sovereignty and the holiness of God. In, in a new way. And um, we're going to look at this in the account of, of, um, of this in, in the book of Joshua. So if we can go to Joshua, actually let's not go there yet because um, I just want to uh, kind of explain uh, briefly first before we, we get into the life of Joseph and looking at this. Now, how many know to follow after Moses who parted the Red Sea who um, performed all those, uh, you know, of course, by God's mighty hand, uh, the, the plagues in Egypt and how he stood up against the superpower of that day. Pharaoh was the superpower of the day. And he stood up against that, and they were slaves, and by the power of God, he was able to see, you know, water turned to blood, and rivers turned to blood, and plagues of frogs and locusts and 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 you know you, you read these accounts um, it, when 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 darkness fell on the land uh, it, it says there was still light in Goshen where, where the children of Israel were so God was like showing look I'm I'm with these people I'm not with you right now you have blatantly defied God you have blatantly uh, opposed God and we are in those times. You know what has been, God's been, I've been hearing this, and I don't know if it's, if it's God or if it's the Holy Spirit just kind of, but he says your faith is going to become costly. It's going to cost you. Your faith is going to be costly. It's going to cost you to take a stand more than it's ever costed all of us before. It's going to be very costly for us to persevere through some seasons. It's going to take patient endurance. Will we see those marks where it, it, there's light in our place and, and, and darkness there? I believe we'll see those extremes as well. Supernatural provision, supernatural strengthening, where literally angels will come and strengthen you like they did to Jesus in the tomb. No one else was there for him. God has supernatural ways to empower, but it will cost us to take that stand in the midst of it. And so Joshua, he, he, he knew he was following Moses, and he was actually Moses' right-hand man. He was serving him. Um, and, and we won't read these accounts, but if you read it, 
There was times when Moses would go to the tent of meeting and God's presence would be there and he would be, be um, uh, in the presence of God. But then it says when he left, it says Joshua stayed. Joshua literally was like, no, I'm camping out here for a bit longer. And then we see another uh, a difference in Joshua in that Joshua, remember they sent the 12 spies into the promised land. This is when they, when they left Egypt. And um, they, were, they knew they were going to go into this promised land. They sent 12 spies. Well, Joshua and Caleb were two of those spies that had a different report. Everyone came back and said, there's huge giants. We're petrified. They're going to eat us alive. We were like grasshoppers in their sight. Like, that's pretty, pretty tall. That would have been, literally they would have been the height of this building if we were to look like grasshoppers. Or even taller. And they weren't. They were, you know, big. Maybe eight, nine feet. Who knows? But big. But not like 40 feet. But that's what fear does. It makes something absolutely massive. But what, not Joshua and Caleb. They're like, we are well able to go and take this land. God promised it to us. And they were, they had a different report. And the Bible says they had a different spirit. There was something different about them. This was Joshua. And, and Joshua and Caleb, with that different spirit, God said, you know what? I'm so disappointed in this report and what you guys have done. He says, for those 40 days, he says, I'm going to make it 40 years. You're going to wander in the desert. And Joshua and Caleb had to go, and they had to wander in the desert with a bunch of murmurers and complainers. Wow. That's God? Yes. That's our God. He disciplines. We don't want to hear that side. But he, he has some absolutes. And he works through those absolutes, but he's unwavering. And Joshua understood these dynamics, and he understood these things about God. But then it came a time when Moses died, and God said to Joshua, you're going to have to, you're going to have to lead now. Moses, my servant, is dead. It's your turn. You're going to have to step into some pretty big shoes because um, no one before Moses has ever done all of the things Moses has done. And you're going to have to take these people that you have walked through and now that generation has died off and you're taking their children now and you're going to bring them into the promised land. So Joshua, what does he do? He, he consecrates himself. They, they fast and they pray. He gets everyone... Um, Circumcised because they hadn't been circumcised and they hadn't been a part of the covenant in the, in the wilderness. They, they did, never had, you know what I didn't realize and didn't think about? They'd never had celebrated Passover. They did the Passover when they left Egypt, but they couldn't do the Passover when they were in the wilderness because they only had manna. So he said, we're going to celebrate Passover. We're going to institute this. And do you know that when they crossed over, the Jordan. And when they began to eat regular food, the manna stopped. The Bible says. God literally said, and a lot of times we're wanting this, this supernatural provision and God's like, no, I'm providing it another way now. This is the way I want you to do it. And, and we're waiting for this, this miracle manna. And God's like, no, I've put something in your hand now and I've given you something to do and I'm going to supernaturally work through that. And so 
Joshua did that. But then, but then it came to a point where um, they had to face Jericho. And this is what I want us to see because something happened different here um, that, that caused Joshua to begin to face his battles differently. And what happened was, when, let's go there in Joshua 5 verse 13. So Joshua here was um, getting ready for Jericho. But it says um, in, in verse 13, it says, When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and he demanded, Are you a friend or a foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell. Just one sec. Joshua fell to the ground in reverence. He says, I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Now, what I want us to see here is this, and I believe we're in this, this season as in North America, in the church culture in our day and age, where we are at right now. We seem to think God's on a side. We seem to think, well, you know, I'm doing something good, so God's with me. And, or, or this side or that side. And we pick all these sides. And, and, and one thing that we don't realize is that God exists for his own glory. We live for the glory of God. It is a privilege and an honor to serve God. God owes us nothing. He owes us nothing. And Joshua didn't know this. Joshua didn't understand this dynamic. He was, are you for us or are you against us? And God basically, the, through the angel, because the angels we know are ministering servants of, of God, they, are, they, have, they only know perfect obedience. They don't have their own agenda. They don't have their own plan. They only fulfill the will of God, period. That's all they do. That is their whole purpose, that they exist. And so Joshua was in this, this place of, you know, this is, this is the battle, and, and this is what we're doing. And, and God's like, no, I am the commander of the armies of the Lord, and now this is what you're going to do. I'm not on a side. See, a lot of times what we do is we're generating. We, we, we live in a culture that's self-made. We live in a culture that looks to ourselves and we're our own, you know, be the best you and, oh, look, look to your inner self and you will find this and you will find that. And, and you know what? There are elements of truth in that, but they will not sustain you. God, in his sovereignty, sustains us through all of it. There is elements of goodness of God in us, but they will not sustain us. Trust me, with what's coming, and I'm not being a dooms, you can just look at it and see there's things coming that are not in favor of the gospel, that are not in favor of God. And we have to have something more. 
inside of us to sustain us. And it's not about whose sides God, God is on. It's not about generating something up because this is what we do. We, we, we seem to think we have to generate this thing. I've got to generate enough faith. I've got to generate enough of this. I've got to make this thing happen. I've got to, no, you've got to join God in his plan, period. We're not generating. We're joining. We're joining heaven. We're joining heaven's purpose. The Bible says, and Jesus said, this is your prayer that you need to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, we know we have a Father that, that is a Father who is, provides for us, who, who takes care of us. And he says, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is the pattern. Heaven is the, is the, is the design. And so I'm not... It's, when, when I'm thinking it's about generating something, when I'm thinking it's about whose side, I'm missing the mark. We're missing the mark. God's on his own side. He exists for his own glory. We can add nothing to him. And we really can take nothing away from him. I'm shocked at this. That God will... will Bring down a man of God in discipline. And at the stake of all kinds of things to reach his heart and not even really care. He cares, obviously. He cares about everyone's heart. Don't, don't take it that way. Meaning that is costly, but he'll do it to get to the soul of a person. Like he's trying to get to each one of us. Because he exists for his own glory. And he desires to be glorified in all that he does. So that means when, when I'm living for God, God's way, his glory will come out of my life. But it's not like he owes me that. Well, I did this. So you're supposed to do this, God. And, you, you know, we got this whole thing a lot of times where we're like, you owe me. And it's like, you know, I did what you told me to do. Yeah. You know what? Our obedience is our obedience because of who he is. He takes care of the rest. And how he does it, how he sorts it, how he works it out. There are times I don't understand it. You know, Corey Ten Boom, when she was in the concentration camp with her sister Betsy, they, they were, she was 50, I don't know, 54, somewhere in her 50s, and her sister was older. So, I mean, they weren't young, and they were going through this horrible, horrible concentration camp. Um, which one was it? Auschwitz. Horrible. Probably the, one of the worst ones. Anyway... Betsy would always be so thankful and just, Beth, Beth, uh, Corey, we have to thank God. We have to thank God. And she would just always be thanking God. And Corey's like, you're crazy. Betsy, you've gone to a new level of crazy. She just was constantly. But, but she respected her older sister, and she knew that's what the Word of God said. And she, she would do it. And Betsy, one time, the, the lice broke out in their barracks, and it was bad, and really bad lice. And so... Betsy would say, Corey, we have to thank God for the lice. She's like, okay, Betsy, you are, you're a cuckoo. And she just could not understand it. But she would, you know, and she would do it. But later on, she's, she, she heard that the, the guards raped all the women in all the barracks, except the lice-filled barracks. They stayed away from that one. 
God used lice. And God can use anything. And God is using everything. The one thing about God is nothing is wasted. Sometimes we think in our life, the only thing that's wasted is what we haven't committed to God. What we haven't allowed to be surrendered and yielded to God. If we, if we, if we allow him to, to work in those areas, when we give it to him, he doesn't waste anything. And this is what, what Betsy knew, and this is what she understood about God. And, and Joshua understood this. I want to read what, um, uh, what uh, um, uh, R.T. Kendall wrote here about this account, because he, he words it so well. He says, Joshua was being taught to get his satisfaction from seeing God glorified. That is, God getting all the credit. This made Joshua see that he was not entitled to demand anything from God. He had no claim on God. He could not say, God, you owe me something. The awesome man or angel with the drawn sword served notice on Joshua that he was not on either side, only on the Lord's side. Joshua needed to learn that God wants to be worshipped when we concede that he is not obligated to us. We are totally dependent on his mercy. We forsake any claim upon God, but worship him for being God. It is a matter of enjoying God being God without any reference to us. It's just God being God for who he is. And in the midst of that, he is glorified in our lives. He is glorified in everything that we do. And Joshua learned this. So he went and he, his, he had to take off his shoes and, he, and the place on which he, he stood was, was declared holy. And so this was his starting point for encountering Jericho. Now this is their first battle that they're going to fight. And these walls are fortified walls. This place is hard to get into. And they're an army, but they do not know how to do this. And so this angel says, this is what we're going to do. Now, the interesting thing about this is, I, I don't like to call it, uh, God's kind of crazy, but how many know God has some crazy plans? This is one of them. Okay, this is a weird, weird plan. Because he, it, this is what it says here. Let's read it in uh, Joshua 6.1. We'll go there. It says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut up because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. And on the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. And when you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can, and then the walls are going to come crashing down. Wow, that sounds like a really neat plan. <laughs> Come on, guys. What if we put ourselves there? I mean, just use the dome. Just march around the dome each day once. 
right? And, and we're not going to have to do anything. On the seventh day, all we're going to do is march seven times, and then we're going to shout, and it's going to come down. How many know that some of the, these things, when, when we put ourselves in them, they're really, they, he takes the foolish things to confound the wise. He always has. And in the New Testament, he says that as well. He takes ways that we thought, how will this ever happen? And yet, he gives, prayer is one of those things. It makes no sense that just a prayer, a humble prayer before God, could cause God's hand to work in a situation. When you maybe could do it your own way or do it this way, or, or, or there is a way you, you could, things could unfold where God says, no, just simply ask me, believe me, and my hand will do it. But he wants to. In this season that we've had lockdown, this should be where we can flex our prayer muscles more, not waste time, not fill it with other fillers. This should be a season where we're, we're asking God, how are, what are some more ways that we can begin to see this unfold? Because Joshua was following the commander of the armies of the Lord's plan. And this was the plan. Now, I love this. It says here, so Joshua called, verse 6, the priests and said, take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horn started marching in the, in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with horns and some behind the ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout. Do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any one of you until I tell you to shout. Then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. So... When, when they started doing this, an interesting thing was Joshua had said, look, you shout and then you be quiet. A lot of things are undone by this. This right here. God gives us a promise. He gives us a way we're going to do it. And then all of a sudden we're like, that can't happen. Oh, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And, and they can be self-imposed curses that we literally, we do on ourselves. When God spoke something, we all of a sudden are speaking the opposite. Now, Joshua knew this is a weird, weird plan. Right? These are, our, these are warriors. These are guys who are ready to fight. Okay, they're trained, they're skilled, and they're, we're going to just march around and then shout, woo! Okay, go back. Okay, next day. What, we get to do it again? Yeah, guess what? You get to do it seven days in a row. Woohoo! Uh, you know what the greater miracle was? None of them talked. <laughs> 
That's the big miracle. We used to do encounter weekends, and part of the encounter weekend on a Friday night, we would say no talking till the next session on Saturday morning, and all you would do is meditate and think about the things that God did, but we didn't want the talking because it just, and I'll tell you how hard, it was hard, and that was just one night trying to get people not to talk. They did this for six days, and then on the seventh day, they marched seven times, but we, the Holy Spirit can help us even in the area of, of, of our talking. And when, when God gives us something, we have to be careful that we don't undo it with our words. Because the Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. We have the ability to speak life over this city and over the plans and purposes of God and what God is saying and be in agreement with those. Or we have the ability to say things that are saying basically, God, I could do a better job. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? I could, I could do a better job. Well, then do it. But you can't. We can't. We talk that way, but we're powerless to change it. And we're in a culture where everyone has an opinion. And it's like, yeah, but what are you doing? And God is not a God who just gives an opinion. When God says something, he does it. And so we have to guard that in our lives and, and guard the things that God says and respect them and be in alignment with them, even with the way we speak. And, and Joshua understood this. Why? Because I believe he understood the holiness of God and he understood he was following the commander of the armies of the Lord. It wasn't about sides. It was about a sovereign God having a sovereign plan. And he knew they would win this battle. And so they did this. The Bible says, um, Joshua got up early the next morning. The priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns, uh, with horns and behind the ark of the Lord. And all this time, the priests were blowing their horns. And on the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. And they followed this pattern for six days. On the seventh day... The Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. And the seventh time around, as the priests sounded the, the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Amen? And I think after seven days, after you hadn't had many words, after, after you, you know you were like you're anticipating this, I think it was a shout. How many think it could have been a real big shout? And you know they didn't have drums though, Michael. You know, but I think drums, just horns, was it was all that they got. But I, you know, if they had drums, it could have went crazy. But they did that, and what happened? The walls came down. We're not going to read the rest of the account, but it says here, verse 20, when the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could, and suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. 
How did they come down? Did they all of a sudden just start trickling down? Did they sink? We don't know. But they came down and they charged into that city. How God did it, I don't know. The important thing is, he did it. And he has many ways he could have done it, and he did it. This is a real account. It happened, and this is what God did. And so, in the midst of this, though, this is the lesson that we learned. This was by faith that the children of Israel did what they did, and the walls of Jericho came down. Joshua didn't get credit for it. It was faith in what God was doing, period. One thing I believe God is doing in this generation, if I can have the worship team up, we're going to um, close with, with worship and, and some ministry time. But um, I believe that God is raising up a faceless and a nameless generation. I believe in the midst of everyone need, needing to be validated for this, validated for that, and, and, and we're, so, we're so, you know, taking pictures of everything, and it's just, everything is just me, me, me. I believe God is going to go to the other end of the spectrum, and he's going to raise up an army that is faceless, that is nameless, and that all they live for is the glory of God. All they live for is to see his kingdom come and his will be done. It's not going to be about what I did and what mm -hmm. you did. It's about what we did for the glory of God and for his glory alone. Amen? And I, I believe that all of this that's happening, it only can fill you so much. And, and you see it increasingly. People are coming to the end, and they're coming. They're thinking they're going to get it in this, and they're going to get it in this. And it, they're, they're, they're grasping for all these things. And when they encounter God, they will see this is nothing. It's not about this side. It's not about that side. It's about his side and who he is and what he has done. He is outside of all of this. Aren't you glad? Mm -hmm. I'm glad. As an artist, when I paint a painting... My painting can be a beautiful painting and it can be aspects of something that might be good in me that comes out of that painting, but that painting is not me. I'm outside of that piece of artwork. I'm far greater than that piece of artwork. God is outside of all of this. He's far greater. Well, how could those walls come down? He's God. He created the universe. I think he knows how to make walls fall down. Oh, well, that's, just, that's not how he would do it. That just doesn't make sense. Well, great. You have a little pea brain, and you don't need to know that. Period. You are not God. He is God. You are created. He is uncreated. He exists for his own glory. Anything I do does not add to him or take away from him. And I have the privilege, every one of us have the privilege of honoring him and living for him for his glory. And that's what I want. 
That's what I want. That verse that God gave me coming into this year just keeps resounding more and more. Second Peter, uh, I don't know where, I know the verse, but I, I, I always mess up the reference. It's um, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might lift you up in due time. He does the lifting. When it's his plan, his purpose, he can exalt it. Amen? That's what we want. And then it says, casting all your cares and worries upon him because he cares for you. That's the process. Through this whole process, it's not fun. It's not fun having stuff stripped off of you. It's not fun God shaking up things that you thought, well, like, I like that toy. And he's like, it's time to grow up. There's a better toy. <laughs> There's a bigger toy. There's, like, we have to grow up. And sometimes we don't. We don't want to grow up. And he's like, no, I, I, I'm, I'm doing something more. You live for my glory. And, and you need to do this. Because in that place, when we, when we cast those cares, we cast those worries on him because he cares for us, we have to know he's doing those things because he cares for us. As hard as some of them might be, he cares for us. But what I want us to do, because our part is to cast every care. Our part is to give them to him. Our part is allow, to allow him to fill us and to allow our hearts to want what he wants. That's our part. And so this song that we're doing, it's just we want more. It's just a cry from our heart for the Holy Spirit to come, for his presence to come, and that, that he would, till the, Bible, the one part in the song says, till we're, un, till we're undone, Holy Spirit come, till we are one. You know, it's like he's doing a work and allow him to do that work. So I want you to make this song a prayer. I don't want you to just listen to it. I want God to hear your heart cry in the midst of it. Let's let this be our prayer as we close. And, and I just want it for any, everyone that's online right now that um, if you're in that place where, you know, you're just... You, it's about sides and it's about this and you, you've just been promoting your own agenda and your own and you're living in that rat race where you have to generate all this stuff and everything's so dependent on you there's a better way you can surrender your life to Jesus Christ you can make him Lord and he can take that life and he can make something far better of it than you've made of it and it's simply surrendering and allowing Jesus to be the Lord to be the master to be the commander of your life so if that's you just surrender your heart to him thank you for joining us today we pray that this message has truly blessed your life for more information go to bigchurch.cc